This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You listen to the Bite Size Business Breakfast Best Bits from Monday, October the 24th. Happy Diwali to all those celebrating Diwali today. And in fact, that was one of the talking points on the show this morning. We had a little look at... uh, Diwali-nomics this morning. Uh, That's because there's something of a perfect storm when it comes to buying gold. Uh, Low rates at the moment. uh, And of course, uh, the weekend proving to be an opportunity for many to get out uh, and buy gold on the occasion of Diwali. Uh, We spoke to Chandu Saroya, the managing director of Saroya Jewellers. He's also the vice chairman of Dubai Gold and Jewellery Group. Uh, to explain the numbers to us. Talking of numbers, we also spoke to Richard Wayne. Uh, Richard's the boss at Better Homes. Their Q3 numbers are very impressive indeed. Uh, and it shows yet more relentless growth here in the Dubai property market. Uh, we uh, welcomed Richard into the studio earlier today to chat about these numbers, but also look ahead to the remainder of the year. Tim Bollins also joined us this morning. He's an analyst at Macrodesiac. Uh, Tim was on to talk about the pound sterling. Pound fell against the dollar on Friday. His new figure showed a gloomy picture for the UK economy. It made a little bit of progress over the course of the weekend, but we wanted to get more of a chat about the value of the pound sterling at the moment with Tim. And we got more details on that Empower IPO with Samir Lakani, who was kind enough to join us live on the line as soon as the details became known to us all. That's all right here on the Bite Size Business Breakfast. We're going through the fine print on the business breakfast, the actual fine print um, of the notices um, issued this morning related to the Empower IPO. Uh, There is um, a press conference uh, being held by Empower at 9am this morning. Ahead of that, we have Samir Lakhani, Managing Director of Global Capital Partners, on the phone. Samir, good morning. How are you going? Good morning. Thank you. I presume that you have been squinting at the same exceptionally fine print as I have this morning. I have. Right. Let's look at what we know and what we want to know more about. Shares going on sale on the 31st of October. A billion of them, a uh, minimum subscription for retail subscribers of 5,000 shares. What do you read into all of that? We have three tranches. We have a retail tranche, which is 10% of the offering. Uh, we have one tranche for professional investors, which would be 90% of the shares on offer. And uh, we have some funds that have been allocated, some shares that have been allocated to post the Emirates Investment Authority, as well as the local pension fund uh, for the the military. Uh, we have uh, what? We have the commencement offering date on the 31st of October with uh, an expected listing on the 16th of November with, and a pricing that is likely to come by a couple of days before that. Well, a lot of the questions that people are going to have, ourselves included, um, are around growth. Empower widely considered at the moment to be the world's largest district cooling company. Um, and if I have a look in the strategy section of the note that we've got this morning, um they say that they're looking to capture growth opportunities here in the UAE. What could that look like? They've already acquired certain assets over the last few years. Empower has been quite aggressive. They've acquired the district cooling assets of 
Nakhil of the the parts of the Dubai airport, and they have made uh, you know announcements that they are looking for other assets. The district cooling market is expected to grow by anywhere between 25 and 40 percent between now and 2030. So you're looking at a at a decently high growth segment in excess of what the population growth is expected to be. And that is uh, that is likely to drive Empower's earnings going forward. Of course, just like most of the other IPOs that have been announced, uh, this does have a, a fairly sizable dividend on offer. And we are um, quite dividend focused as investors, aren't we? What does this one look like? Uh, based on their earlier announcements, what they had uh, what they had said was that they're going to offer a minimum of 850 million dirhams per year for the next two years, uh, divided into half yearly installments of 425 million dirhams each. Uh, this was announced, uh, I think, on the 29th of September. Uh, subject to what the final offering price is going to be, you're going to be able to figure out what the dividend yield is, but it's likely to be higher than uh, what we have seen uh, from, 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 from some of the more recent offerings. Uh, last question before we let you go, Samet. What will you be listening for this morning? Growth strategy, right? Clearly, uh, most of the IPOs... Uh, for Dubai, whether it has been Diva, whether it has been Salik, have been focused on uh, the overall Dubai growth story. This one is uh, more company-specific in terms of uh, how they're going to be able to or whether they will be able to acquire some of the other district cooling assets that are on, uh, are, are on sale right now. And uh, so the overall growth strategy will be the key defining characteristic uh, for this company over the next couple of years. Samir Lakhani is Managing Director of Global Capital Partners. Thank you so much uh, for joining us to go through the, uh, the small print uh, from Empower this morning. Information given on Dubai Eye 103.8 can be used to help with your background investment research. Always read the fine print and understand the potential pitfalls of any investment before you make any decision. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. What we are looking at at the moment on the Business Breakfast is the pound. If I look at where we are at the moment, we are at a dollar thirteen with the uh, the US dollar. Uh, interesting situation, dollar eleven on Friday, and that of course was over question marks and what is happening um, with the political situation in the UK. Taking a look this morning, as in fact I'm sure we will be all week, um, unless Rishi has the job in about five hours, uh, by Tim Volant, who is the chief gluer at Microdesiac. Tim, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Talk to me about the kind of weekend that the pound has had. Um, it's, it's had an interesting weekend. I think at the moment, what we're seeing with the pound is much more volatility than any real direction. We have seen a little bit over just sort of since um, Johnson pulled out of the race last night. We're now seeing the uh, the pound starting to rally a little bit, especially not so much against the dollar. I think the dollar is just uh, strong against everything at the moment, but against certainly against some of the other currencies and particularly the yen, which is showing a lot of weakness at the moment. What does all of it mean for inflation and the cost of living in the UK? That's a really good question. I think at the moment we're probably going to see more. More. I'm, I'm working on the assumption now that Sunak's probably going to uh, going to win, and we're going to see more orthodoxy. Um, you know, more 
more kind of uh, or less profligacy, if you like, in terms of the spending. Um, we're still going to see, I think, energy support and everything else. But really, the cost of living crisis, that it's not something the government can especially do anything about if they're not going to just keep giving money to people. Um, so I think short term, I think it's out of their hands. Longer term, it's going to be a real a real test for them to to bring the, the cost of living crisis down and sort of and, and deal with it. Um, ultimately. What do markets want to see now in the UK? Stability, without any doubt. Stability and certainty is what markets uh, markets love most. Um, you know, I think really what we saw with with all of the sell-off in the, in the bonds and, and obviously the weakness in the pound as well was really one big pensions trade um, where they had these liability-driven investments and the sudden change in interest rates that we've seen over the past few months was already creating a kind of a weakness there. And there was sort of a bit of a target on these pension funds back because of how they structured those trades. And obviously these things go on over years. You know, they, they put these trades on over years and with, with a view on sort of 10, 20, 30 years down the line and what they're going to have to pay out. So when that happened, it created a lot of uncertainty, a lot of instability and how much of it was really the pensions, how much of it was the plan. Um, I think, yeah, at the moment, that Sunak, I think, will be favoured by the markets just purely because he'll be seen as a, a safe pair of hands. But we've got the uh, UK economy effectively being downgraded by Moody's from stable to negative. That's going to um, affect the government's ability to borrow. What does that mean in practice? Um, I mean, in practice, I don't think it really means all that much. Um, I think we, essentially the, the dollar the dollar and the US really at the moment are the only ones who are, uh, are really standing out. And even then, if you look at the interest rates and the borrowing costs in the US, they're, they're still higher than the UK now, you know, apart from that blip that we had. Um, so, so really, I, I, I don't actually see that it's going to limit the government's ability to borrow anything, anything there at all either. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of instability that's coming to this because we've gone from this era of very, very low interest rates to suddenly increasing interest rates globally all at the same time. Um, and obviously, we've got a whole, a whole financial system that's levered to low interest rates because that's what we had since, since the global, you know, the great financial crisis, really. And we've got the British retail sales that came in just before um, the weekend caught a lot of people by surprise. Retail sales down nearly one and a half percent compared to the month before, all feeding into um, that picture of people being very nervous about what comes next. What's going to be the first job on the incoming prime minister's desk, do you think, to stabilise all of this? I think it will be a a market friendly statement if they're going to do anything. I mean, the the retail sales as well, you've got to take that in the the picture of what's going on again globally. We're seeing retail sales starting to slow down because the economies are slowing. Um, and also because generally speaking, people have sort of bought everything in goods wise that so they kind of they've almost sort of bought, bought forward a lot of those purchases. Um, so we're coming down from pretty high levels anyway. So, yes, there's, there's definitely some weakness in, in retail sales. There's going to be some weakness in spending because that's really what the governments and, and well, and, and the central banks want to see to try and bring inflation down. So that's to be expected. I think we're going to see more of that going forward. Um, but as far as the state, you know, as far as sort of the, what the markets want to see from Sunak and what he can do, um, I think it's just really a, a speech on, OK, we're going to make sure that we deal with these immediate sort of problems, such as the, the cost of living, energy crisis, you know, more targeted support would certainly be a, a start there rather than sort of blanket, um, just sort of throw money at the problem, which, again, we've seen from a lot of governments around the world already. Um, and then really, yeah, that it's just selling it, which I think, you know, Sunak's previous experience as Chancellor, any of his speeches have generally been pretty pound friendly. Um, he's, he's very good at selling, at selling that story of, of what he's doing and why.
which I think was probably a big problem with what happened with Trust, to be honest, because they didn't really sell the uh, the plan properly. You know, they bought it in at the wrong time, you know, big fiscal spending at the same time as we've got a lot of inflation. That was sort of what spooked markets to start with. And then obviously the pension funds, that, uh, them exiting their trades, um, took that just to extremes. And before we let you go, maybe it shouldn't just be the pound that we are looking at, the euro as well um, in the spotlight, because those high energy prices that are feeding into inflation in the UK are certainly having an effect in Europe as well. Yes, absolutely. I think um, with what we're seeing, I mean, Europe and the European and UK grids are, are quite interlinked in, in any case. So anything that affects one is going to affect the other to, uh, to some degree. But also the, the thing that kind of is concerning for me at the moment with, with Europe, more so than the UK, to be honest, I think that Europe is going to come into the spotlight now and the UK under, under new governance is probably going to sort of fade into the background. Is the problem with that, you know, they, they've got the same problems as the UK, but they haven't got the unity. You know, you've got Germany going out and spending, well, issuing supposedly 360 billion euros of debt for all kinds of different things. Um, you know, that hasn't been sort of consulted at the European level. Italian Italian bond yields are right up near 5%, as are Greek, Greek bond yields as well. Um, and the ECB is planning to hike interest rates by another 0.75% this week. So I, I really do have concerns that actually now we're going to shift the spotlight now, sort of where the problems are, are going to go from the UK across to Europe now as they deal with similar problems. Tim Vollens, Chief Gluer at Macrodesiac, speaking to us this morning about some of the volatility that we've seen in the pound over the weekend and what we could see. Well, the leadership contest was supposed to last a week, but it could all be done by 2pm British time today. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Time now then for a little look at, uh, a little deep dive, if you can, into all things real estate. Uh, we've got uh, Richard Wayne, the Group Managing Director of Bet Homes, joining us live here in studio. Morning, Rich. Thanks for mm. joining us. Morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Monday morning. Early. Early Monday morning. <laughs> a nice way to kick the week off. Good Absolutely. to see you. Good to um, be the reason we got you in is you got your uh, latest Q3 numbers out at the moment, and it's more of the same. Yet again, uh, the Dubai real estate market continuing its relentless growth. Uh, that's been borne out by those figures. What are those figures telling you? Uh, you, as you say, the momentum keeps growing and keeps growing strong. So transactions, which is for, for me as a, a real estate broker and estate agent are the most important things, the number of deals actually happening in the market, we're up about 61% from the same period last year, which is, which is great. Um, there was a bit of a swing to off-plan. So off-plan um, were 49% of all those deals were off-plan, and that's the biggest proportion of off-plan deals since we've seen since about 2019. Um, and prices, I guess, is the other interesting piece. So as as transactions rose by 61%, actually prices also rose by, and the value, sorry, of deals done rose by about 61%, which suggests that prices themselves were quite flat. So we see lots and lots of transactions, but we didn't see the runaway price increases that we've seen in the past, which, again, is quite, I think, good news because it suggests that it's a bit of sustainability in those numbers as well. It, it, it sort of needs explanation, this one, because a lot of the, the naysayers out there will go, I don't get it. Interest rates mm-hmm. go through the roof at the moment. Dollar uh, should be putting people off as well. Inflationary worries in other parts of the world. Why, why is real estate continuing to do so well here? 
Uh, look, I think there's a number of reasons, and you're absolutely right. Those are the main head reasons. I think domestically, you guys have mentioned it a few times, there's a lot of people living in rental accommodation, seeing the rents going up, or or just the security of tenure. You know, as Brandy said earlier, getting getting letters through the door, so don't fancy it. So they're actually making the decision to go in and purchase a property. Um, internationally, I think um, there's a lot of insecurity out there in the world, and people are looking for security. People are looking for that classic safe haven. And that's both for living as their family and for where their money can go. And Dubai seems to be found that that safe haven over the last two years. And I think that will continue while the world remains in the state it is. So I suspect we will continue to see that influx of both people and and investment over the next six, 12 months. Business Q3 on record for Mm -hmm. for you guys at Better Homes. Uh, Do we expect that to continue into Q4? Yeah, I think so. You know, as I said, the the what's happening in the world at the moment is playing into people coming here and investing. I suspect that will continue. We've also got the small matter of the World Cup kicking <laughs> off in a couple of months, and we're you know we're very much looking forward to that. Um, and I think we, we we're hoping for a bit of a mini expo effect with lots of people in in town and spending a bit of money. So yeah, I I think that will will continue. And I think we've probably got a you know you've probably got a few more real estate brokers coming on for a few more months telling you that times are good so it's sorry about that it's interesting isn't it how things have sort of not changed but the things are sort of developing at the moment remember you know during the pandemic that we thought that you know times for apartments were done and dusted mm-hmm. everyone wanted bigger properties everyone wanted a back garden everyone wanted a bit of space and yet your figures for q3 also showing a little bit of a a little bit of a downturn for villa uh, purchases as well which again would suggest people moving back into apartments yeah, and I, look, I think that's really a factor of affordability. So you're right. absolutely right. Yeah, after the pandemic, everyone in space, everyone needed that extra room to do their teach their kids yeah. or, or do the gym or whatever they were doing. Now, that meant that the villa prices really kicked off before anything else. We've seen the biggest rise in price in the villa uh, market. That market's also probably more susceptible to higher interest rates. You know, end users pay, paying quite a lot of money for a villa. They're, they're, they're probably seeing their affordability squeezed. So we actually saw one segment of the market where transactions dropped by about 4%, and that was for those villas. On the flip side, I think we saw a 70% increase in the transactions in the apartment market. Again, it really is a, a case of affordability, investors uh, looking at that market with prices where they are today. So yeah, villas dropped a little bit, still very high on a sort of historical level, but uh, apartments running away with it. What about pricing at the moment as well? That was one of the big sort of dinner table, dinner party uh, stories at the moment is what villas are going for mm-hmm. in certain areas. Are they realistic or not? Look, I think whenever I talk about pricing, it's really important that we talk about pricing within certain areas because mm. there's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, there are certain places, I think, where prices at the moment um, are are not going up. You know, prices for villas, as we just talked about, there's an affordability aspect creeping in and i think if you're looking to sell a villa today in some of those prime areas some of the sort of core areas you're talking emirates hills uh, sorry emirates living rather uh, arabian ranches we're seeing price at the moment pretty stable you know not going down not really going up you look at the luxury market tom and it is another story yeah. you know when we're talking about luxury market which isn't really susceptible to changes interest rates isn't really that susceptible to the global currency markets those prices continue to uh, march on at, at strength 
You mentioned a little bit earlier on the interest and the rise uh, in regards to off-plan purchases mm-hmm. as well. What does that tell us about the market? Look, I, again, I think interest rates is playing a, a factor, and I think off-plan increasing is, is, again, part of this interest rate rises. If you're looking to buy today, you can purchase an off-plan without worrying too much about interest rates. You can start a pay, down payment uh, process over the next two years with a hope, perhaps, that interest rates may drop again in those two years before you take your uh, your mortgage in, in two years' time. So it's a bit of, I think, it's a bit of a hedge against that. That's mm. why we're seeing a lot of people looking at off-plan at the moment. And that's both investors and end-users looking at off-plan. 30 seconds with you, Rich. Uh, rental market mm-hmm. booming at the moment? Yeah, look, it, not in terms of transaction numbers, but certainly in terms of prices. So we saw a drop in transaction numbers over the summer by about 26%. That's because people are not moving. People are, are the transiency's gone. If you've got a tenancy at the moment, it's m- very likely you're paying less rent than the current market if you went out there. So why would you move? So that traditional movement has gone down. Lots of people are uh, renewing and staying put and good luck to them. Um, but new people coming to town, they're finding that prices at the moment, yeah, are, are substantially higher than they were two years ago. Richard, appreciate you getting up nice and early for us on the You're Monday very welcome. morning. welcome. Anytime, Tom. Thanks very much Anytime. indeed for coming Thank in. You. Uh, Richard Wayne, their Group Managing Director, Better Homes, explaining their latest Q3 numbers. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. So happy Diwali to all those that are celebrating Diwali today, that have been celebrating Diwali over the course of the weekend. Uh, Diwali is being recognised by billions the world over. Uh, with the Festival of Lights comes expectation, huge expectation, uh, amongst uh, gold and jewellery stores, not just here in the UAE, but across the globe. Why? Because the two go hand in hand. And uh, expected uh, was to see something of a gold rush at a number of those gold and jewellery stores. Has that been the case over the course of the weekend, uh, early today into today? Let's find out now from the Managing Director, Saroya Jewellers, and Vice Chairman of the Dubai Gold and Jewellery Group, uh, Chandu Saroya, who joins us live on the line this morning. Morning. Good morning to you, Chando, and happy Diwali. Good morning to you, and a very happy Diwali to all our listeners and to your families. As we mentioned there, expected to see an increase uh, in uh, footage, an increase in uh, footfall uh, to the jewellery stores. Has that been the case over the last few days? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you see, uh, uh, Dhanteras, uh, which is uh, two days prior to Diwali, is one of the most auspicious days, uh, according to the Hindu calendar, to buy jewellery. And uh, this has been going on for, uh, I would say, ages. Uh, the same is true this year also. So the pre-booking, uh, pre-Diwali booking starts a few days prior to Diwali. And uh, you see, uh, from now onwards up to, uh, say, March, it is uh, the festive season in India up to the harvesting season. So everybody starts buying jewelry. And uh, if you're going to buy jewelry, uh, if there's a wedding in the family, if there's any occasions, why not buy it on an auspicious day? Mm-hmm. And that's the reason we saw the same thing happening in Dubai um, uh, over the weekend, uh, especially on Saturday afternoon and evening. There was a lot of rush in the market. Uh, yesterday was also good, but for a few hours when there was the India-Pakistan cricket match, <laughs> there was a lull in the market. <laughs> people, people wanted to watch it and what a match. And uh, then uh, uh, again in the evening, there was a good uh, show of the people in the gold souks and uh, all these shops uh, around the UAE, I would say. I've spoken to my friends in Abu Dhabi. I also spoke to some of my friends in Ras al and Fujairah. Everywhere it was a very, very festive occasion, and uh, people were buying gold. Uh, one more uh, added advantage was the gold price has just gone down. Mm. So 
it's a double whammy. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, reading this morning that it was, uh, as you say, something of a perfect storm with the UAE gold rate hitting uh, a year low. Was that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a year low. Year low was about uh, four or five days ago, but it jumped up a little bit. But that's okay. When uh, you uh, finally count how many grams you're buying, it's a difference of 10, 20, 30, 50 grams. doesn't matter. In terms of the buying trends, will they continue today? Uh, yes, uh, you see, the buying trends, uh, 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 it is uh, now the festive season has started. You see, there is a, in the Hindu calendar, there is an inauspicious period where people don't invest any, anything new. It could be a house, could be jewelry, could be a car, anything. So from uh, day before yesterday, uh, the festive season has started. So we hope that the buying will continue through the uh, season. Specifically for Diwali, yeah, it does continue up to day after tomorrow more. Talk to me about advanced bookings, if you can, Chandu. Uh, mm-hmm. This is something new to me, but something that we're seeing more and more of at the moment. Yeah. You see, uh, what is happening is more and more jewellers around the world, and specifically in Dubai and UAE, are giving the option to the customers that uh, whenever they feel the price is right, they can book their gold. And uh, uh, once they have booked the gold, if the gold price goes down, they, they still have an advantage because they will be buying at the lower price. And if the gold price goes up, their price is fixed. So you see the jewelers, they take an option to cover this position and uh, they hedge themselves against that. So it's a win-win for the customer. If you want to buy gold and you feel the price is right today, for example, today is 188.75. So if you feel this is the right price, go and book it. If it goes down, you still benefit. If it goes up, you're protected. So this is the thing. And uh, then during Diwali and Dhanteras, there is so much of rush in the uh, shops that people want to come two, two, five, seven days ahead of time, select their preferred jewellery, keep it for collection on the auspicious day. What's the split at the moment in terms of residents and tourists? Obviously, high tourism uh, season here at the U- in the UA at the moment. Are you seeing tourists come to the Golden Diamond Parks? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tourists, uh, you see, um, on every tourist uh, itinerary, there is a must-buy for jewellery in UAE mm-hmm. because uh, we are offering one of the best uh, uh, pricing in the world. We are offering some of the best designs in the world, and the variety is am- amazing. You will find jewellery for every taste. So whenever anybody comes here, um, the jewellery is on the buy list. We always say do buy jewellery in Dubai. And uh, you see, this year, again, um, there is a seven-day or six-day holiday in India. So this is the most preferred destination for uh, all the Indians to come here. So we see a lot of tourists and tour companies have organized a lot of tours here. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of tourists here in the market. What about making charges as well? I'm also hearing from some of the jewellers out there that uh, making charges, the production charges, have also been cut. Is, that, is this adding to the sort of market boom at the moment? Yeah, uh, yeah, you see, the jewellers have consciously decided to reduce their margins a little bit to give the advantage to the jewellers, uh, to the customers. And uh, if you go around the market, there's a lot of offers on making charges. Some people are offering 25% discount on making charges. Some people are offering even no making charges. So the very, very uh, low, uh, low making charges uh, products. And uh, there is uh, a lot of offers happening in the market. In, even on diamond jewellery, there's a lot of offers happening. So this is a seasonal offer to... Uh, uh, um, to enhance our sales and to give the benefit to our customers. Uh, do you feel uh, and are you confident that this uh, positivity in the market will continue until the end of this year? Uh, I am 100% sure that uh, that is the trend which we have seen. 
and uh, barring some unforeseen circumstances in the price uh, of gold jumping by 100 200 i do believe that uh, we will be seeing uh, uh, this uh, healthy trend in the market Also, I don't expect the gold price to jump that much. Hmm. Uh, we've got a couple of questions coming through from listeners out there this morning, Chandu. Uh, Talal's just been in touch with us this morning saying, uh, please can you ask uh, Chandu roughly, what's the percentage increase in sales as a result of Diwali? Uh, you see, if I count the uh, year-on-year for the same period last year, I would say between 20 to 30% increase. If you were to ask me over the past few days, I would say 100, 200, 300% because before the storm, there is always a lull. And uh, the people book the gold and then don't buy it. So uh, uh, it, it would be very difficult to put a figure of how much is the increase. But yes, the business has been very, very robust. And uh, I would be, uh, I would say fair in saying that there is a 20 to 30% increase uh, over the last year of business for everybody. Chandu, thank you so much indeed. I know it's an auspicious day. Uh, We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much indeed for joining us live on the show. Uh, Chandu Saroya, who is the Managing Director of Saroya Jewellers, and he's also the Vice Chairman of Dubai Gold and Jewellery Group, uh, a group that is uh, benefiting from an increase in sales. And, of course, uh, that uh, low with regards to the gold rate. A big thanks to Chandu and happy Diwali to all. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.